Welcome to Prevention Intervention, your go-to podcast about avoiding addiction and becoming the best version of yourself. This podcast is brought to you by the Nova Southeastern College of Allopathic Medicine in collaboration with the Florida Blue Foundation. And now, here's your host. And throughout your years of practice, what trends have you seen in substance abuse? Well, right now, fentanyl scares scares me to death. Mm. Um, I just, you know, I think people, things are getting less. I had a client whose daughter died from, she thought she was smoking crack, but there was fentanyl mixed in with the crack. Um, And I think that that's one of the things that people don't know what they're getting anymore. So that really scares me. Um, And fentanyl is such a strong drug that, very little bits can really take somebody out. So that's one of my concerns. Um, you know, opiates. Hello, my name is Christina Maskley, and I am the new grant project coordinator at NSUMD. Joining me today is Barbara Hayes Murray, also known as Bobby. She is a woman that I personally look up to and who I have had the privilege of being taught from. She has been a mental health counselor and psychology professor for over 30 years and continues to work closely in substance abuse treatment and prevention. She has helped many suffering from substance use disorders and takes great pride in her work. Thank you so much for joining me today, Bobby. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. I'm excited too. Thank you. So one of my first questions to you is, what inspired you to become a mental health counselor specializing in substance abuse? Well, actually, my my path was backwards. Um, my dad was an addiction. My dad was an addict and alcoholic. And so when he got sober, when I was 14, he became an addictions counselor and I used to go to work with him. And then I just never stopped. I mean, I just kept going, but I couldn't really get in the field because I wasn't recovering myself. I'm not an addict. So, and I didn't want to become an addict just to get a job. So I had to not do it for a couple of years until I literally, I bugged some guy enough that he hired me. Um, and then I've been in the field ever since. So, um, and then, and then after being in addictions for maybe like 10, 15 years only, then I decided to get licensed as a mental health counselor because when I first started, we didn't have any kind of credentials. You just got a job because you were, you had like, I had a master's degree. That was, you know what I mean? So I, um, so then I decided to go back and get licensed as a mental health counselor because they also started having a lot of requirements for certifications. And then I started doing more mental health. That's so inspiring that you basically started your career through just something that you loved doing and that you felt was rewarding. Yeah, I, I really, the, there's a, a gentleman named Father Martin who's the, who's deceased, but he was a recovering priest and he does a lot of videos. And one of the things he says is that if you develop a love for addicts, it's, it's like none other. And that's true. I mean, I, the, the work that I do is something I love so much that, you know, the ad about if you love your job, you never have to work a day in your life. That's, I mean, it's hard work. It's, it is really hard work. And sometimes it is not always satisfying, but I always love it. Thank you. And throughout your years of practice, what trends have you seen in substance abuse? Well, um, right now, fentanyl scares, scares me to death. Mm-hmm. Um, I just, you know, I think people things are getting less. I had a client whose daughter died from, she thought she was smoking crack, but there was fentanyl mixed in with the crack. Um, and I think that that's one of the things that people don't know what they're getting anymore. So that really scares me. 
Um, and fentanyl is such a strong drug that very little bits can really take somebody out. So that's one of my concerns. Um, you know, opiates are always have, have are back on the rise again, and that concerns me. Um, alcohol has always been around and will continue to be around. You know, people, most people drink socially and responsibly, and two out of ten don't. So, um, but right now, I think that one of the things that really concerns me is the lack of information about um, opiates and what they can do to people. It's really interesting that you mentioned fentanyl being really scary to you right now. Um, we teach about fentanyl in some of our data-driven curriculums. What other illegal substances are you seeing fentanyl rise in? Um, well, any kind of opiate. They, they, it gets mixed in, fentanyl gets mixed in heroin a lot, a lot, a lot. Um, and so, and cocaine, crack, the ones I'm mostly familiar with. Wow. I have a client, I just had a client that I was talking to and she, she doesn't have her children right now because of her relationship with fentanyl, both the relationship with drugs. And so she's working to get her children back. And she said to me, they won't let me see my kids right now. And the reason why is because fentanyl is such a strong drug that should I have it somewhere on my body or my clothes, they're afraid of what that would do to my, my child. And I understand that. And that's what a powerful thing to think about, right? Like she can't see her kids because being in the presence of her children, literally, and possibly touching her kids if she had fentanyl on her could be dangerous for the children. Oh my goodness. Um, and the next question I have is, have you worked with clients who struggled with substance abuse from an early age? If so, when and why did they initiate their substance use at such a young age? Yeah, a lot of my clients started really young. I mean, have started like, you know, I have clients who started 10, 11. Um, a lot of times it's because of the, the parents may be somebody who's, who's a substance user. Um, it's, you know, the, the expression do as I say, not as I do doesn't really work when it comes to substance abuse because people, you know, I can tell you that using drugs is bad if I'm your parent who uses, but then I'm getting high. You know, when my dad used to drink, I used to think the only person's house who doesn't seem unhappy is him. Everybody else was like a, a hot mess with my father's use. But we all, but he seemed to be just fine. So I think that, that there's really confusing messages about that. I think that still there's a lot about peer influence and people um, wanting to be liked. I think, we're, unfortunately, we're not a society that really spends a lot of energy on teaching people how to have better coping skills. Um, so the, the idea of how do I like myself and do I have good self-esteem, all those things are really important questions. And um, I think, the, you know, parental influence is a big one. And I think sometimes we have to be careful, even in media, because I think sometimes we can glamorize. When you provide messages for children, you need to make sure that they understand what you're saying. Because sometimes I think, you have, you know, you, it, talking about it sometimes can almost seem like it's glamorous. Absolutely. And but I think, yeah, I think that's the, I think that that's, and, and nobody that I know ever thought they were going to become an addict. Even if their parents were addicts, they never set out to go like, I think I'm going to become an alcoholic today. Like, that's not what they thought. They thought, in fact, they thought the opposite. Like, I don't want to be like my parent. I'll never be like my parent. And here I am being just like my parent. My gosh. And what advice would you give to youth who may be considering substances as a coping mechanism? Um, <laughs> don't do it. Um, but I think that there's about be able to like make it 
open yourself up to learning new things, new ways of being able to deal with it. Because once you get in this trap, it's almost, it's really hard to get out of it. Only one out of three people ever really make it out. And that's, that means two thirds are dying. That's, that's a lot. So, um, and there's, there are resources available. There's counselors at your school who can help you. And I know sometimes it's hard to be able to ask them for help, or it might seem like it's not cool enough to be asking them for help, but that's why they're there. Um, and, you know, trying to be able to find ways of, of finding, of finding alternative ways of dealing with your emotion, um, finding people that you respect and admire. A lot of times what we find is that when people have a substance abuse background, like if their family is substance abusers, finding one adult in your life who is, um, who believes in you and really wants to make an effort to be able to, to assist you can make a huge difference. So I think that those are all important things, but I think just being able to like understand that I can't, my coping skills are really important. And I may not have learned them in my family, or I may not have learned them, you know, in other places, but I can learn how to be able to do it. I can learn how to be able to calm down without, without using drugs. Cause that's a cycle that once I get in, I really can't get at it. And the idea that I'm just going to be social, especially if it comes with illegal drugs, I'm just socially going to do it is probably not true. You're, you're probably lying to yourself and that's, you know, or that I'm going to use it just for a little bit and then I'll stop when I get to be a, a few years older. You're probably not. And so, and why would you want to take that chance? If I could, if I can learn, it's going to sound weird because it's not, it's like comparing apples and oranges, but some of the schools, they teach kids instead of giving them like discipline actions, they teach kids how to meditate. There's a, there's a lot that makes a lot of sense about that because if I can learn how to have self-control, if I can learn how to be able to manage my emotions, then I am less likely to want to pick up drug to change the way I feel. And so I think, and you know, drugs feel good. Supposedly. And so I think that that's a place where um, people get caught up in that, but it's the intention of why I'm using it. It's the intention is not because I, I want to, not just because I want to feel good, but because I don't know how not to use it in the situation I'm in. Interesting. So I, think skills, I think skills are huge. I think that we need to teach more about skills. When I was in Salt Lake City, I, we, I worked in a prevention program for a lot of years and I did my master's thesis in a drug prevention program. We worked with kids second through fifth grade and um which by the way is not too young to start and we talked we never talked about drugs the entire time we just talked to we never we never once in the 10 sessions we do with these kids we never once talked about drugs we talked about learning how to resolve conflict we turned talked about how to lower your anxiety we talked about all kinds of things we never talked about drugs and yet it was a drug prevention program that was widely accepted in fact it's one of their biggest programs right now uh what is that program called community counseling center it's very interesting. I really appreciate you sharing that. Is there anything else that you would want to let the listeners know or any other advice that you want to say? Um, that people can change. That if people are, I, I really do believe that um, we all have this great capability of being the person that we were meant to be in this world. I do believe that drugs and alcohol stops me from being able to develop the person that I, I was meant to be in, in who I am. Um, and, and I think that if I use that in a way, because I'm wanting to learn how to cope with things, or I use it in a way because my, I'm, I'm mirroring my parents or my brothers and sisters or my friends, I'm said, I'm teaching myself something that I like as almost as if I don't exist, if I don't do it, you know, if I go to a party and I'm shy and I go and I drink and I become less shy. I've just taught myself now that in order to be sociable, I have to drink. 
or I can go to the party and hang out and find out what it's like to be talking to people. You know what I mean? It's like, I think that there's a, a trap that is inherent in that, that we have to be really careful of and you deserve better. You, you, everybody deserves better than that. Thank you so much, Bobby. This has been so insightful and so inspirational. And I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much for speaking with us today. Thank you. I enjoyed it. It's fun. (laughs) Thank you. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode. Be sure to appreciate it. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the show wherever you consume podcasts. This way you'll receive notifications as new episodes become available. If you'd like to learn more about this project, be sure to check out our website with the link in our podcast description. Thanks again for listening and remember to stay healthy, stay happy, stay clean. Until next time.